0: There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, you've hit the line.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the Power Court Hour podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Merchant, here welcoming you to another episode of the show. Whether it is your first time listening to the show, your hundredth time, whatever, thank you for checking it out. I cannot tell you How excited I am for this episode, and I'm going to keep this very brief. If you were listening to the May 2022 rundown of the show that we put out last week, I was bitching about people who do really, really long podcast intros. I am not doing that. Honestly, the main reason I'm even doing an intro for this one is because we had some technical difficulties with the first couple minutes of this interview. So, uh, you know, I never got to go into the intro or anything. It kind of like goes... Just right into it, a few minutes into the interview. And uh, I'm going to call it technical difficulty. Some people might call it being overly excited to talk to the punk legend John Doe and maybe forgetting to hit record for a minute or two. You know, maybe some people would call it that. I call it a technical difficulty, though. That's definitely what I call it. Definitely did not just get really, really stoked that I got to talk to a punk rock legend and just, a, I mean, a musical legend, like like whatever. I mean, this is another thing I talked about. Besides, that's basically what the May 2022 rundown of the show was. Half of it was me bitching about people who do really long podcast intros, and the other half was me just gushing about getting to interview John Doe. And uh, now you get to hear it right now, because that is this episode. I'm talking to John Doe. He just put out an amazing new record, Fables in a Foreign Land. So much of an honor. It is such an honor to get to talk to him. I uh, I love X. I love John Doe. I love everything this man does. And uh, I mean, just amazing. I really, really loved that I got to talk to him. And uh, again, You missed the first couple minutes of the of the interview, but that is okay. I mean, it really is just a few minutes. Um, you really you'll be able to pick up where we're at. So we'll just get right into it right where uh again, right where the technical difficulty stopped. And uh and maybe I realized that I hadn't hit record yet on StreamYard. Hey, listen, the other thing, I don't I use StreamYard every now and then. It's normally not the way I do it, so that's my uh that's my other excuse is uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't using Adobe Audition that day so uh, maybe maybe that's why uh, we had the technical difficulty I don't know call what you want call me a dumbass I mean you call you call me whatever you want I got to talk to John Doe for an hour so I'm pretty fucking stoked and uh, that's all that really matters so anyways I'm going to shut up I'll talk more afterwards but here's my interview with the legend John Doe right here on the Power Cord Hour podcast
2: the three of us just started developing the sound in on Kevin's patio. Cause nobody was touring and we couldn't go inside. And, and we wanted to remind ourselves that yes, we do have something of a career in music, I hope still. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, I started writing songs for this maybe four years ago. Um, and, uh, and, and then just started, funneling them or, or channeling or uh directing them towards a uh, concept which is uh, it all takes place pre-industrial maybe 1890 um there was a journalist who was writing in in england and said it was the bleak era of the 1980s <laughs> instead of the 1890s <laughs> and i thought you don't know how true that was man it was pretty bleak at, at times uh But anyway, so, yeah, I I was just able to stay disciplined and, and, uh, write these stories. And, and it's all about like, uh, something that either the, the, the narrator, it could be a man, could be a woman, uh, um, experiences as they're driven from, from their home and they're searching for something and there's a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness. So it has, uh. Some serious connections to what we've been through for the last couple of years. And uh that was sort of a happy accident.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask too, because listening to it, I mean, there's definitely you hear those themes and everything. And I wanted to know, I mean, do you consider this at all a concept record, or is it more of would you just go with there's kind of a theme that runs through it? Because I mean, there really it does kind of all weave together. And I don't know that it yeah. weaves together in the way of a concept record, but you do listen and you can tell that you are telling a story. Like as the listener, I'm hearing it and right yes. away, you're like, oh, yeah, well, like,
2: he's all it, it's it. a it's a it's a concept record that was not born out of a concept. It wasn't, uh, you know, contrived or, uh, you know, I'm going to do this and do a study on folk music or do a study, uh, you know, an academic uh, dive into what music sounded like something, you know, there, it's a concept record, hopefully without pretension. You know, I, it's a concept that came from from desire and a and uh, a uh, you know the there was something elemental in in olden olden days. You know, even even in the you know 20s or the 1950s, there was something more elemental about survival, depending on where you lived in the world, and, and that's true even now. But um, yeah, there's something that's appealing to me about having to survive and and that's become a little more clear uh in the last couple of years too
1: for you like like when you write lyrics and i mean on here you know you're doing a lot of storytelling and obviously throughout the years i mean you're great you're a great storyteller with lyrics and i feel like you can do both you know there's the fiction and then there's you know writing autobiographical songs is one easier than the other for you like do you find telling a story is easier than writing a song about your own personal life or vice versa
2: Oh, I think they're all personal. You, you have to invest, even if you're writing something from, you know, a newspaper article that you wrote or read or, or something that you heard, if you don't have that personal investment, then it's kind of flat. And then it, then it, it you know, somehow you have to invest yourself into it. Uh, and any writer, any songwriter or writer tells you that they're not somehow writing about themselves. They're, they're lying to you, Anthony. <laughs> and don't believe them. <laughs> you don't know what else they're lying about. They may be lying about many things.
1: Did you even write that song? You Who's actually I'm, singing on that song? <laughs> yeah, was that actually you? Um, you know, I mean, kind of going along with that too, I, I think one of the strongest things you do as a songwriter is you can paint a vivid picture. I mean, and, and really, also I got to say, you can go both sides. Obviously I can listen to like Los Angeles and you paint a picture of Los Angeles and like a big metropolitan city, things like that on the new record, you're painting a picture so drastically different from like, you know, a a large city or something like that. I feel like I'm in the middle of the desert. I feel like I'm transported back to the 1800s. Like, do you, does that come? Do you think at all from surround? Like, do you think your surroundings influence you? Do you think that is how it comes in? Or is that, I guess more of, like, I guess, where do you think that comes from? Does that come from you going to these places? Does this come from influence? Like, how I, can you paint a picture like that? I, I wish I wish I
2: could tell you, you know, definitively. Uh, I think it's it's part uh, experience and part imagination. I mean, I, I did live in the mountains uh, about 75 miles north of L.A. for 20 years. So <laughs> that had a lot of influence on... Uh, a record, like maybe two records earlier, that record a year was influenced by that. But I think it's just, you know, any kind of writing, any kind of creativity, even if you're, you know, whatever you're doing, you don't really know where those connections come from. It all is all magic. And, you know, some people that are born again, Christians say that it's their personal savior, Jesus Christ. and, And other people will say, it's just, you know, out of the ether and you have a you know, a butterfly net and you just catch a, you know, you catch a butterfly. Um, but I think that likes, uh, you, you mentioned the, the record Los Angeles and, uh, yeah. Johnny hit and run Pauline or, um, your phone's off the hook, uh, things like that. Those, those also just create a story. And I was, I've always been drawn to images and, um, you know, being somewhat cinematic, and you know, because I like having a hearing a song where there's a time and a place, and and whether it's in the singer's voice or in the words, you know, you're you should be transported. That that's my greatest hope is that you know people can listen to something, go into a, a world that you create, walk around a little bit, and then come back out and and think, oh wow, I I saw something. I I went I went there um yeah this was just a little bit more disciplined where i i didn't have the anything modern in the yeah because yeah, with this one it's voice. not like
1: you were in the 1800s it's not like you could no. Uh, no, it's just your...
2: you start you start pushing yourself towards something and then and then you you just keep going there you know you you say okay well this is this is where i'm gonna go and and then you you keep going there and like uh the, the thing of of something being made out of nothing I mean that that song, uh, "The Cowboy and the Hot Air Balloon," which is like the some one of the few light moments in the <laughs> in the whole record. Uh, I was on X was on tour, and I literally woke up and that first line. He stepped out of the bar and into the street, and a hot air balloon swept him off his feet. That just came to me, and then it's like, well. Damn, I guess I better go with this. And, and it just, you know, it, it was, a, it was a setup to take a trip. Sorry for the airplanes that are going over, but
0: it's oh, a big a good. City. Uh,
2: <laughs> It happens. yeah, it's, it's real, man. It's real Anthony. We're here in the <laughs> real life. But uh, you know, so you just gotta, and you have to honor that as well, where if, if something comes to you and this is maybe a tip for any songwriters or creative people out there if something comes to you if you can stop what you're doing and just see where it takes you for you know 15 minutes or an hour or whatever however long it it keeps pulling you forward or something just do it don't don't kind of put it off and say oh well I'll, yeah i'll remember that and, and i'll i'll do it later because you probably won't and and it's that's that's your, you know, intuition or, or your creativity, you know, tapping you on the sh- shoulder and saying, hey, pay attention. Something's coming in. There's a transmission. Here comes the transmission. Get ready. OK, here it comes. And then, you know, you got to you got to honor that. You got to pay attention to it and say, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm here. I'm fully present and I'm going to do this damn
1: thing. You know, kind of kind of going with that, I want to ask too. Like, I mean, that, that's so great when like a line will just come to you like that or something. But like mm-hmm. talking about that, how do you with songs, do you have like a certain amount of time where you can tell if a song's gonna work or not? Like, will you will you go, okay, look at it if this if it doesn't play out within a certain amount of time, you kind of let it go? Or I mean, will you kind of hold on and really work out a song for a while and kind of you know what I mean? Like, go, I think this can be something maybe yeah. I maybe I'm stuck now but maybe in a while yeah. it will become more uh yes
2: to yes to all of that um uh, you can no you can you can wreck something that has potential by trying to bang it into shape or bang it into place and if you have you know a third of it done and you're starting to to you know like bear down and wrench it and, and and you know beat it up and stuff then you are going to break it you're going to ruin it and, and it's going to become uh, it's, it's not going to be true and it's not going to be inspired and, and you should just like put it aside then come back to it when you're you know when some other you know you're feeling particularly open uh vulnerable or something like that and then and then something else might come to you um i would say on the what I've learned over the years is to, to be more intuitive about it. Um, With the X record, we all um, contributed more, you know, Billy and DJ showed up with much more like experience and, and I was let, and Xane and I were about making quote, making things work. And if something didn't work, we just said, okay, well, why don't we just do two chords instead of four chords? Why don't we just do, you know, a different melody, why don't we, you know, cut that in half or, or just, and just be open about it and and be really flexible rather than trying to, to bear down on things. The more you bear down on a creative uh, process, I think the, 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 it's, it's just going to break. It's, it's not going to be good. You know, you just have to let it be and and let it kind of develop
1: and, you know, be nice to it. It sounds like so do you and maybe maybe you wouldn't even say overthink in the past, but it sounds like you're maybe more now in a in a place maybe you were before where you've kind of understood that where it's like, okay, I don't need to force the second verse or I don't if it if two chords right. work, I don't need four chords. Right. What kind um, of
2: you were yes, i I definitely overthought stuff in the past. And <laughs> and that's not to say that that there aren't one billion ways of doing it, you know. Somebody else could could uh, go note by note and minute second by second and and create something. That's just not that's not what's rewarding for me. That's not what what I am interested in or or, or how uh, my method works. My process works. <laughs> but I allow for. You know, I, I understand that people can make great things by by being really rigid or, or being the, you know, the play every note on the record, um, you can make great things. I mean, Prince did that and, and, um, you know, all, all kinds of people make things different in different ways. I'm just talking about the way that it
1: works for me. Oh, no, I always think that's interesting. And I like, cause I mean, I, I can talk to five different musicians in a day. Everyone will have a different take on that. Just saying like, you know, oh, yeah. is your idea your best idea, do you like, do you, can you tweak too much this and that? Some people say, oh, I'll, I'll spend months on a song or just getting that one part right. And then other people are like, no, that's my downfall. You got to go with like your first, you know, your first yes. couple thoughts at least. Yeah.
2: Well, I think it was Alan Ginsberg that said, uh, first thought, best thought. I think it was him. So I I appreciate that. Um, I find that it's interesting to, to edit things like the, 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 the connecting words, the prepositions and things like the is it into or is it on top of or is it but or is it and or, you know, in or on or, you know, all, all those kinds of things. And, and that's that can be uh, kind of fun. That, that's where it's a, a little exciting when you find a, a more economical or specific way to to phrase something.
1: Yeah. The little tweaking, you know what I mean? Like things like that makes sense too. It's like, it's just, it's little yeah. things. It's not, it's not changing the song altogether, you know, doing like a one eighty. It's just, it, it's those little things. It makes it yeah. better probably.
2: Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, I got a chance to, uh, to go to this Bob Dylan center, uh, there's just opened up in Tulsa, Oh, I and saw. I got a chance to go there. Yeah. Uh, I, and it's, it's, truly amazing. I mean, all the exhibits are very displayed very differently. And, and yeah, it's a kind of immersive experience, but, um, they were asking some people to come out and, and look at the archive before it was displayed and, you know, write a little something about it. And, um, the record I was always drawn to, which is relevant to the, this new record of mine was John Wesley Harding. Cause that was one that I was, uh, I don't know, 19 or 20, or something like that. And and when I heard that record, it was like, oh, this is a record that I relate to. You know, the other records before were were my older brother's Bob Dylan records, you know, and things like that. So, (laughs) and that also, John Wesley Harding also created a world, you know, that that seemed sort of in the past. And uh, anyway, I, I got a chance to listen to a number of different takes from that record. They would have each song and they would have all the takes that they, they did. And some songs were just the same, just different takes, you know, the same, con, uh, or the same delivery, like all along the watchtower was the same. There were seven. takes, And the one that was on the record and you go, Oh yeah, there's the, there's the one that they chose. Uh, the other ones were outtakes, but the song, um, as I went out one morning, um, was originally in 3/4 time it was really slow and there were only four takes and like the third or third and fourth take they switched it into 4/4 four, four time and and brought up the tempo and it's like oh that's radically different and it was a really great idea because the other one was really kind of too slow and didn't really you know keep you engaged in the in the story so i think you can Just if something is not working, that was something that X did on the last record. If something didn't work, it's like, no, we are not going to just keep trying to go down the same path and expect a different result, because that's going to be frustrating. And then you're going to think, oh, I don't like this anymore. I don't like the song. I don't like what we're doing. This is bumming me out. Maybe this isn't any good. And, And then you start doubting yourself. So just change it.
1: Well, and I got to you know, kind of going with that too, with that X record. I'm sure because there were so many years in between too. I mean, I'm sure that's a thought. There's a lot of pressure. I'm sure putting out your first record in that many years. You know, would you say 27 years? Yeah. I mean, uh, I it was sure. actually 30,
2: it was actually 35 uh, since we had done one with Billy. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Um, yeah, it was it was some pressure, but I I think that we were we had all the elements set up you know we had a record company fat possum is great we had a producer rob schnaff is uh, mixed the live in south america record and so we knew that that we would be safe we knew that we had a you know a reason to do this because you don't want to put all that time and effort into something and then not have a place to put it out you know or uh, you know a way to get it out there we had we had been touring so much that i think we were more aware of what we did. Well, you know, it's like play, play to your strengths. You don't have to reinvent yourself. Just play your strengths. And, and as we were developing it, you know, as we were, you know, editing and, and orchestrating and stuff, it's like, well, or, or even writing it, I would think, Oh, well, this is where DJ could do what he does well. And this is what Billy could do what he does. Well, this will give him, this will give them a, uh, you know, kind of a platform to to do their thing.
1: You know, so I mean, it, it ended up working. Your formula worked. You put out, I would say, one of the best X records of the, of the
2: entire uh, I, I appreciate career. that. You know, it was it was uh, it was a labor of uh, of love because we knew that it's not going to you know it's not going to get on any charts or whatever. It's just going to we're going to make a record for ourselves to to show to prove that we can. We're going to make a record for the the people that want to hear an X record, and and you know there's there's a lot of young people that come to the come to our shows as well. So um, you know we want to deliver for them as uh,
1: too. You know. Nice, nice. Getting into the, and, uh, and the into
2: I would also also say that the process of it is we we started out with three older songs that we didn't really feel like we had recorded well. Uh, Delta 88, and I got a fever, and um, Cyrano de is back. and then we had one new song, uh, "Angel on the Road." And I've written that as a, as a poem, pretty much beginning to end, and oh, that's no. also, you know, a great story. Yeah, I mean, she has that. She has that ability to just write a song, top to bottom. You know, verse, second verse, chorus, third verse, chorus, and it's all there. You just have to put music to it. Um, and that was one of those and, and we, we recorded it with Rob and it sounded, it all was, um, rewarding and, and fulfilling. And it was relative, you know, as easy as, uh, uh, you know, recording can be because recording is always a little difficult. You got to overcome, you know, some things and, and, uh, but it sounded like X and we thought, okay, cool, we can do this. And that was in, uh, I think that was in. End of
1: uh, of 2018. Oh wow! I didn't realize you guys were doing it that far
2: back. Well, yeah. But then we recorded it at the end of 2019. Oh okay. Uh, or rehearsed and and yeah, got it all set and then recorded at the beginning of 2020. Um, yeah, it took us about a year to to write songs to write the rest of the record, <clears throat> and then. Fat Possum it was all done by the end of March in 2020 and Fat Possum said fuck it let's just put it out you know we're in the middle of the pandemic uh and we and it was April was the 40th anniversary of the of releasing Los Angeles and they said well let's just do it we don't know what's going to happen you know we were planning on putting it out in October of 2020 but luckily we just dropped it you know the same and Fiona Apple had just done the same thing um Nobody expected it, and it was right, right before the pandemic hit, and uh, we we had a captive audience. <laughs> Everybody was it's locked on so... it at, at home, so it was uh, you know exciting.
1: You have no reason not to check out the new X record. What else yes. are you doing?
2: <laughs> exactly, watching Tiger King.
1: <laughs> Actually, I mean, I, I really I uh, I mean I knew of X for years, obviously, but I mean the pandemic, that album, everything's really kind of what got me on the uh, X train. And uh, yeah, I mean, just yeah. sounding, sounding absolutely fresh, like a like what you would sound like in 2020. Like it sounds like almost like you never stopped, which uh, not everyone can do. Sometimes people come back with that with that later record, and you almost go, well, maybe you shouldn't have done that record. Yeah, <laughs> not. not, not with X. Like, I'm actually like, God, I hope they do more. Where some bands are like, eh, yeah, maybe. I- <laughs> <laughs> Less is more. <laughs> that's another definition
2: of that. You know who else? You know who else did that though? Is the uh, the psychedelic furs put out a, a record? I think in September of 2020, called "Made of Rain," and that's a fantastic record. It is now so good. Was, yes? So uh, I mean, it sounds just like the psych furs, but it's it's 2020. And, and it's it's a great record if you haven't listened to it. There's some am- amazing, beautiful songs. And uh, and it's got that dark, you know, quality that all of their records had. Which is why I think that the tour with X and the Psych Furs works really well. Because there's this, you know, underbelly of, of uh, darkness and
1: pain and, you know, all those good things. <laughs> yeah, all the, yeah, all the good stuff. No, well, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that tour. And that is a that is a, a very nice package, a good uh, a good lineup. I take it you'll be playing some alphabet land on there, some songs off the new record on that tour. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, we have been. We've been doing uh four or five of them. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yep. Yeah.
1: I uh for the for the new record, I didn't want to get into like recording and that as we're like talking about recording. Where was Fables in a Foreign Land recorded? Where did you guys record this one?
2: Uh it was in Austin. The studio is called Public Hi-Fi. And it's uh, created, run, and uh, the the genius um, of Jim Eno, the drummer for Spoon. It's his it's his studio. Spoon oh, really? does, does most of their recording there, and it's got great old gear. And uh, it's just it's got really high ceilings. It's a it's fairly small, but we um, used probably one third of the studio because we had created the whole record on Kevin Smith's back porch. So we recorded it like that. We didn't use headphones. It was all live. We just sang and played into the air. And, uh, it was like, okay, guys, it's for real. Cause there aren't going to be any overdubs. Um, you can't fix a bad note. You just got to sing and play. Right. And, and we did, we could, we could cut between takes, you know, if there was like one small bad section or you know a bum note or something like that, then we could cut in between takes because Conrad has great time. <laughs> and um, yeah, but it was for real.
1: Wow, have you done any? Have you record? Have you done anything like that before? Like a recording experience like that? Well, no, not like that. I mean, I, I've
2: always had the option to to um, to be able to to you know drop in a, a bad vocal performance or you know or fix fix you know what was mostly good um so it was it was some uh pressure but it was good it was good it's like this is for real you know like do it stand there huh yes we well we yeah we had about a year and a half of rehearsal (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was great it was a great experience we did it in about five days and and then um or four and then had a couple of guest artists who were really wonderful uh carrie rodriguez is a violin player in austin she's she has a solo career she's actually part of a uh she wrote the songs for a broadway show called called americano that's, oh, that's on broadway like wow right and uh, Carrie is just such a bright light, and and so in, inventive, and and just a yeah. She played fiddle on a couple things, and then Josh Baca from a band called Tex Maniacs played accordion on on one song, and uh, and that was it. You know, less less was more in this case.
1: Yeah, you're not uh, kidding. Bare bones.
2: Yeah, and and Steve Berlin from Los Lobos helped. Uh, He's uh, sort of our main producer, and Dave Way, who's an engineer and producer, also contributed immensely, because uh, I've worked with Dave for a long time. And he's uh, he's done, he actually mixed the last Fiona Apple record, some of it, and uh, worked on the early Macy Gray records. He did all the recording of that. And uh, his other last project was at Echoes in the Canyon, the Jake Dillon uh, film. Oh,
1: documentary. Yeah.
2: I had a lot of help, a lot of great help, and and it was also recorded to to be, um, put on this new format called Sony Atmos, which they've been using in movie theaters, and it's a like a surround sound thing. You have, to have a special setup where you have six or twelve speakers, and you you know it it actually you're you sound it sounds like you're inside of the band. Wow, so, yeah, Dave did all that stuff where he put you know microphones all over the studio up high and you know in the in your setup in your home you've got you know a speaker in front of you two on the sides and you know a couple above you and a couple behind you and it's it's a crazy experience
1: have you gotten to hear the record that way yet
2: yes i I heard it at dave's studio and it's mind-blowing it's like you're sitting and the band is all around you and they're they're doing some of that with um like al green and some old jazz uh sessions and it's some crazy computer process that you can, you can take a track and you can put a percentage of, of that track, like 60% on the right and then 10% in the front and, you know, 20% in the back. And so whatever that track if if it's the, you know, base end of the spectrum then, or, or of that track, then it'll just come out on that side. It's, yeah, and it's all great it. for you. you're actually you know like moving this little piece over here and moving that over there. I saw Dave do it. It's it's pretty wild, but it works. And I guess they've been using it in you know
1: for for movie theaters for a while. Oh my god, I would love to hear music this. I feel like you could do a lot with drum. Like if you mic yes. drums enough, like you could really screw around with some drums in a format like that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I would. I would love to hear it like that um for have you guys obviously you're going to be touring with the with the john doe folk trio coming up have you done i assume this is like your first tour have you guys played like any shows since forming
2: uh well yeah we we played conrad and kevin and i played uh, like two or three shows before lockdown uh like 2018 2019 probably 2019 and then uh we've done a couple afterward we played <laughs> kind out of, at a hot rod show and in, in uh Austin, and uh, we played a show downtown, uh, mostly around Texas. And we're going to do some uh, some shows during the um, release week coming up in May. Uh, we're playing at a place uh, it's about forty miles outside of Austin, and the 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 club is called the Devil's Backbone. <laughs> the Devil's Backbone, and then playing up in Denton. Uh, which is outside of Dallas. Um who comes from Denton? I think maybe the old ninety sevens come from Denton.
1: Denton um, sounds familiar, so some band does because yeah. that's the only reason I'd even know of Denton, Texas, probably. Right.
2: And there's a place up there called Dan Silverleaf, and, and then we're gonna play down in Houston. And um yeah, it's good. Kevin and Conrad and, and then Kevin's gotta do some some more work with uh with this guy, Willie Nelson. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh uh, so, <laughs> I think I think I'm going to have a sub for the June tour, unfortunately. Um, yeah, more more COVID related bullshit where I, I guess Willie uh, is better, but he got COVID. Uh, so he had to reschedule some dates and that came right in the middle of our of our tour. So um
1: going to have a substitute for Kevin Smith, but it'll be good. At this point, I'm sure doing those songs live will be nothing. I mean, you recorded them live. They're very, yes. it's not like, wow, this is going to sound too different from the album, probably. I mean, what you hear <laughs> yeah. on the albums, what you're going to hear on stage, I think.
2: What you see is what you get. Um, yeah, it's, it, it allows for some, uh, you know, improvisation. You can, It's just like, you know, you shade it one way or the other as, as you're feeling differently.
1: So that's exciting. I like, I like when bands do that, when you get up there and you kind of, and it kind of, I feel oh, yeah. like it keeps it interesting for you. If you play absolutely. those songs every night, you got to throw something yeah. in.
2: You absolutely have to. Otherwise, you're just, you know, phoning it in, as they say.
1: Do you know the set list already? Do you kind of already know what you'll be playing? I mean, I assume it's going to be a good chunk of the yeah, uh, new record.
2: A little bit. I mean, I think, I think it's smart to go out with uh, about 25 or 30 songs, you know, really – under your belt or in your bones, however you want to describe it. And then, and then switch it around. So you don't do the same set every night. That's also can, can lead to some kind of laziness. You got to keep everybody on their toes, you know, keep yourself. Like
1: yeah. For the, uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh that's going to be, you'll, you'll be touring so much with that. And then, uh, and then with X and everything too, you keep them busy with that. Um, what was I going to ask? Like, besides songs off the new records i mean uh you're gonna do like john doe solo songs any covers like do you you know what else oh yeah
2: we do a few covers we do uh uh (laughs) the song i only have eyes for you by the flamingos Mm -hmm. we do uh occasionally we do the big rock candy mountain
1: oh i heard your version i saw the video performance really really good
2: (laughs) kids folk song uh we do a, a Mexican folk song called Cancio Misteca, uh, which was featured in that Vim Venders movie, Paris, Texas. And I got an opportunity to work with Harry Dean Stanton years and years ago. And when he passed away, I thought, well, I should I should honor him by, by relearning the song. And um, so we play that at times. It's uh, really old. I mean, I think it was written in 1910 or 1912. Uh, it was a song about about people that were immigrating from the country to um, in Mexico, from the country to the city and a song about how much they missed their homeland. Um, we, did, we played that up in Fort Worth at an outdoor kind of uh, festival. And there was this middle aged, you know, maybe in their 50s, uh, Latino couple. And the woman was watching the show and we're playing, you know my stuff and some x songs and things like that. And um we played Cancion misteca and this woman sang every song, every word to it and it just just made my day. You know, it's like she knew this song from when she was a child. And uh it was beautiful. So, yeah, we do a bunch
1: of different stuff. It's funny about that too cuz I saw that performance of uh, Big Rock Candy Mountains and I had forgot about that song. That was just, I don't remember how I heard it as a child, but I loved that song. And I still yeah. don't. I I can't trace back where I even heard it from. But then I saw you. I'm like, I saw the title, and I'm like, is it the same one? And then I played. I'm like, oh my god, there's John <laughs> Doe doing it. Like you, you, kind of the same thing. It's like you brought me back. I love yeah. it. Well, For I the, think uh,
2: I think that Burl Ives did a recording of that that was pretty popular. And you know, there was a long time. I mean, I I was part of an era when you know kids were. Given folk music, you know, here's kids music, folk music, you know, but who was singing the folk music but Leadbelly, who had been, you know, convicted of murder, and and Woody Guthrie, who was uh, you know, uh, just you know, socialist fucking union organizer, rabble rouser, you know, it's like all the and and the and the devil is always appearing in them, and there's always drunks and and you know people cheating on their husbands or wives and, you know, and people being killed and, or, you know, murder ballads and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it's all for the kids. say like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> okay. The making of the perfect okay. children record. <laughs> Good parenting, uh, 1960s. Uh, anyway. So I think that's, I think it's, you know, like, uh, one of those songs, uh, you know, this land is your land, or so long it's been good to know you. And you know, uh, the midnight special was the one that everyone knows from Led-Bellar. Good "Goodnight Irene." You know, there's a there's a version in a, a, a verse in "Goodnight Irene." Uh, I love Irene. God knows I do. I love her till the uh, rivers run dry. If if she ever uh, if she doesn't call my name, I think I'll take morphine and die. <laughs> and it's like okay, uh, that's bold, Lead Belly, Mister Mister Leadbetter. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was that was in the the kids' version of it, but but nonetheless, it's like shit was shit was real
1: i uh I mean now now that I'm thinking about it and i'm I'm gonna butcher the song title um Destro- destroying angels at that point yes. I mean it's like it'd be like calling that a children's song <laughs> oh well <clears throat> yeah I mean I give uh Shirley Manson all the
2: credit for the lyrics on that she she made the whole story on that,
1: and that's uh, one of my I, favorite songs on the it, record
2: yeah Exene and I were lucky enough to yeah Exene and I were lucky enough to tour with um with garbage and Blondie just the two of us Exene and I opened the show and got to be good pals with uh, with Shirley I mean ex, ex had toured with Blondie earlier so Debbie Harry and Chris Stein and Clem Burke and and us were were good pals but um Shirley's so a, a really warm you know even though she has a lot of dark past she's you know she's done a lot of work on herself to to get through that and to be you know like a genuinely grateful and, and um, fulfilled kind of person. But she said at some point to Xena and I, let's write a murder ballad. And I thought, sure. <laughs> yeah. Shirley Manson said, let's write a murder ballad. You don't say no. <laughs> um, and, um, and then she, uh, she gave me the lyrics and I worked it up and we recorded it with, uh, with garbage and it was in three, four time. It was very heavy, very goth. You know, like their sound is, and uh, and I, I kind of wanted to bring it back to a more traditional folky murder ballad version on this record.
1: You did a good job. You know, with those with those with the collaborations on the album too, because I know there's a couple of them. Are they all like lyrical collaborations, or were there musical collaborations in there as well with the you know outside? Uh,
2: all it was all lyrics. Yeah, Exene co-wrote uh, that song. Uh, Destroying Angels. She wrote the the chorus to that. And um, El Romanzo, Louis Perez from uh, Los Lobos wrote the Spanish verses in that. And uh, Terry Allen, who's a wonderful songwriter, mostly uh, mostly known as a visual artist, uh, but well known in, in Texas. He's one of the Flatlanders, like with Jimmy Dale Gilmore and and uh, Joe Ely, Butch Hancock and, and those guys, they all grew up uh, in around Lubbock back in the fifties and sixties. But um, yeah, Terry contributed lyrics to that uh, uh, Never Coming Back song.
1: Have you done? I mean, obviously you collaborate with like bandmates and stuff, but have you ever done anything like that before where you have like people come on and kind of collaborate on lyrics and stuff for an album?
2: No, not not really. I think that's more of that opening up and and you know trying to uh, trying to be flexible, but uh, I mean apart from Maxine, I've, I've co-written some songs with Dave Alvin, uh, but it's not my it's not my go-to thing. No, I'm I'm not. I can I feel like well I can pretty much take care of this, but then but then if you get somebody else to contribute, they have you know they have a different take on it.
1: Yeah. You know? get something else. You get everyone's little like piece on it, you know?
2: Right. Well, it's, it's also like, uh, you know, bringing in different people to, to play on your record. You could probably do it, <laughs> but you wouldn't have the influence or the, the musical kind of ability, vocabulary,
1: whatever that they do. For, I mean, cause it does sound like this album. I mean, was like you said, a lot of experiment, like a lot of first for you. You did a lot of like things that sounds like yeah. differently on this one is there anything in it that you think like going forward, you would do more of whether it be, I don't know, recording that way, doing it, doing more live, doing more stripped back, collaborating lyrically. Like, is there anything you think you would do that, like do again on future records?
2: I would I would do all of it again. I don't, do I don't again. know if we'll have that opportunity because um, we won't, you know, everyone's gonna be working. Everyone's gonna be touring more often you're you create the songs you send them out people start learning them and then it's it's a the time is more compressed it's all in a you know in a few months that you that you do it or it can be spread out over a long time but the actual time you're working on it is is shorter um but absolutely i'm going to collaborate more with uh songwriting Nice. Uh, I,
1: I think it worked well on the record. Gonna try to do that.
2: Yeah, try to do that with uh, Grantley Phillips. He and uh, and Kristen Hirsch and I uh, have toured a little bit on, under this name called the Exile Follies, and uh, we're we're talking about doing some more stuff. And but I don't know. You know, I I definitely want to work more with Carrie Rodriguez because she's she's really talented, um, and yeah. I think it's, it's worth it. And I, and I'm, I'm going to try to Xane and I are working on some new songs. Um, we might do some recording in November uh, if we can get our shit together.
1: Are we talking X or you don't really just kind yeah. of use an exam- oh, no, no. Oh, X? Oh, yes. Yeah. More X stuff. Oh, that makes me very, very happy. We got to do it while we're young. <laughs> yes. Happy. We need you. You're on, you're on a roll. I mean, you're on a musical role the last few years. So oh, any- God. Anything you do, I feel like is gonna keep keep pulling from whatever that is, whatever creative energy has hit you. I mean, not not again, yeah. not to say I always love your stuff, but the last few years, yeah, you've uh, I feel like you're really hitting a stride on stuff. So keep well, it up. That's
2: that's good. I've I've fooled you again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as we is- as we. Uh, as we close this up, I mean, for the rest of 2022, what should we be on the lookout for from John Doe? Anything like John Doe and all John Doe-related projects? What should we be on the lookout for?
2: Oh, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna release another video uh, for this record, uh, a video for Destroying Angels, Ooh, nice. and uh, really talented um, uh, person that we know, Victor Krumanocker who played bass in camper van beethoven played bass in cracker plays with dave alvin at times is in a new band called the eyelids uh victor's really talented and he also did a a, a couple of um a couple of videos for dave alvin's project called the third mind which was a kind of instrumental blues psychedelic experiment and uh nice. That's coming out, and I, we you know we had two other videos for this, one for El Romanso and one for um, Never Coming Back. So, but I think the rest is going to be you know devoted to trying to stay healthy enough to continue to tour. I mean, lately, I I know three different, different people who've been on tour and had to cancel shit because they got sick, and it's like mm-hmm. it's open, but it's not. You know, I mean. It's like, you can still, and and you can't, you can't lie and say, uh, no, I, I didn't test positive. I'm going to go out and sing my shot. You know, you can't do that. So you'd have to be really careful. And it's going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because you, you know, you, you have to, you know, have your COVID bubble while you're on tour and that's no fun. You can't have any guests backstage. You can't see your friends and you have to just kind of hunker down and, get the job done <clears throat> but that's going to be our our thing and hopefully some more recording
1: i'm looking forward to it i uh i'm sure i'll be seeing i'm sure i'll be coming up and seeing those shows in ohio and uh it looks like there'll be more uh, later on in the year so i mean where do people yes. now now they hear this and we'll uh we'll be playing some music off this after the interview but where do people go grab the new album where do we find you online club well we-
2: uh fat possum is record is releasing the record and they They've done some pretty cool, like bundles. They have a, a uh, the, the record cover is in black and white, but they did a color silk screen for it. They did a broadside um, of the poem on the back, and um, my my website is uh, the John Doe with two E's, T H E E John Doe com, and uh, I got some merch there and stuff like that, and you can. Buy the punk rock book and you can, you know, there's, there's other stuff, but yeah, fat possum and the John Doe. That's where you can find me.
1: That's where we go. That's where we go. And also
2: on, on Instagram, I have an Instagram account, account, which is the John Doe with two E's, two E's T H E E as in. the wast. thouest, was John Doe.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it! Well, if you're listening to the podcast, we'll play a song or two. If you're listening to the radio show, the radio show is four hours long. We're actually going to play the whole record. Really? Uh, once this is out, the uh once it's actually on radio, the record is out. But if you're listening to the to the radio show right now, you're about to hear the record that we just talked about. You're going to hear mm-hmm. Fables Land, and then you should go buy it. You should listen to it, and then go buy it, and then go see John Doe on tour. I think that's yes, what you should please. Do. But uh, either way, whether you're listening to the podcast. Whether you're uh, listening to the podcast or the radio show, we're kicking it off with track one. This is never coming back right here on the Power Court Hour.
0: By everybody dressed in black, whispers up in the sky. They're never coming back. You kill my mind, burn down their shack. Son of a bitch, he swore. Holy hell, he cried as he and that balloon rose higher in the sky. Is this fate or is it a dream? He hung onto the basket and let out a scream. His partner came running, pulling out his gun. He took a couple drunken shots. That balloon was too far gone. He rose he saw the backs of buzzards circling below he climbed into the basket when he gave a mighty heave he started to enjoy the ride and felt a sense of peace well he figured he was safe till he saw a toothy grin there was a grizzly bear straight across from him i'm not here to harm you he growled through his teeth I'm just here to take you home and offer you relief If you can only face your fears and take me by the paw I'll show you to the kingdom where the turquoise water falls Hand and paw
2: united He was crushed by the embrace Smelled the earth and tasted sky
0: As he let go the human race.
1: Court hour podcast that was destroying angels before that was the cowboy in the hot air balloon, and opening up that block of music was never coming back. All three of those off John Doe's new record, Fables in a Foreign Land. And I would like to thank John again for doing that interview so much fun getting to talk to him about it. Uh, it was kind of nice to get to not only talk about the new record but also go back a couple years and talk about uh, X's Alphabet Land, uh, an album that I've talked about so much on this uh, show, just how good it is, how amazing that a band who hadn't put out a record in that many decades could come back that strong and put out an album that just, you know, just like they missed nothing, like just right right back on track. and uh, And also putting something out, that not only is just kind of good, but is like one of the best things you've ever done. Like Alphabet Land being one of the best releases I think X has ever done. And uh, to say I'm happy to hear that uh, they're working on new music, even at the beginning stages, I'm, uh, oh my God, am I happy for that. I am uh, so, so excited that uh, we'll be getting, it sounds like we'll be getting another X record sooner than later later. And uh, I've I've read and heard some other interviews with John, like after Alphabet Land came out, where you know he's kind of like you know I don't I don't know if we'll do another one. Maybe this is the album that we go out on and stuff. And I'm happy to hear that it does not seem like that will uh, be the case. So don't get me wrong, Alphabet Land's not if if you're gonna end on a on a certain record, that's a pretty high note to end on. But I mean between that that record, Fables in a Foreign Land, I mean John Doe. And uh, Xzine and the rest of X. I mean, all of, all of them are obviously still on their game and still writing some really really amazing stuff. So I'm hoping I'm uh, hoping we get that. You know, uh, maybe maybe before the end of the year, maybe next year, whenever whenever it happens. But uh, until then, we have an amazing new John Doe trio album. Go listen to that entire thing. That record is so good. And uh, John is, uh, as you're hearing this, he'll be going on tour here very, very soon. He'll be on tour this month if you're listening in June. And then he'll be uh, touring with X next month with the Psychedelic Furs. And they're playing all over. So there's a good chance John Doe is playing around you uh, this summer. Whether it was with the John Doe Trio or it was with X. X. John Doe is probably playing in your neck of the woods, and you should go see him. I still cannot believe I've never seen him or X Live. I'm going to change that this summer, and uh, you should as well. Well, maybe you've already seen them. That's me assuming you've never seen uh, X Live, and, and hopefully you have. They they tore more than enough. But uh, that's going to be the episode for this week. And, uh, boy, is it an episode? I mean, he uh, John goes right up there. As uh one of one of the coolest people I ever got to interview. I mean, in, in terms of one of my favorites, a favorite songwriter. I mean, a legend by all means, a legend, and uh, just and also just so nice. I mean, you just heard it. He was the nicest guy. Like we uh before you know before I before I remembered to hit record, he was really cool. Uh, after the interview, he was really cool. We talked a little more afterwards, like. I I can't tell you how nice he was because I was I was a nervous wreck for it not not for any reason I mean John Doe always seemed really rad it's not like he's someone where you hear all these things like you know John Doe's real mean or anything like that but you, you're interviewing John fucking Doe like I'm gonna be nervous like there's no other way for me to be but nervous to interview John Doe and uh, just right away the nicest guy like was just joking. Super, super nice, charismatic. I mean, just such a such a great personality. John Doe is who we should all who we should all strive to be. I uh, I want to be John Doe when I grow up. And uh, and with that, that is this episode of the Power Chord Hour Podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Follow us online. We are at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please follow us. All three places. Really do appreciate it. You can find the Power Court Hour podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to it right now, you know it'd be very rad if you rate, review, and subscribe. That helps out a ton. Please, please, please subscribe. Please, please, please. Look at look at all this goddamn begging I'm doing. I am just begging you. Go leave a go leave a review. I was even gonna say nice, but just leave a review. Call me an asshole. I don't care. Just call just leave a review. And uh, subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends about us. All of that helps a whole lot. And actually, I'm gonna entice it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something enticing. Um, if you rate and review the show and uh, and also subscribe, uh, send me a screenshot, email it to me, powercordhour at gmail.com. I will send you a, a free power Chord hour t-shirt. We just got some made our listener Grace, shout out to her. She's gotten some PCH shirts made in the past, and she just got a new batch in, and uh, I cannot thank her enough for doing these. She she is a fan of the show. The I mean, our very first fan, she's been listening since 2016, since the very beginning on the radio show. She is an OG, and uh, I cannot thank her enough for getting shirts made. I mean, it is it baffles my mind anybody likes the show enough to uh, you know, go spend money and make us shirts. But she made us shirts, and uh, I would not sell them. You know what I mean? She makes them to help spread the word, and it's very, very rad of her to do. So uh, if you want one of those, you don't got to pay money, but you do got to go leave a review and send me a screenshot, powercordhour at gmail.com. Send me it there. I mean, you can also send You can DM me on social media, wherever. Just get me just give me a screenshot. Just basically show me, give me proof that you have uh, rate and reviewed the uh, podcast. And uh, I will send you a t-shirt. And uh, I hope you're a men's extra large because that's what we got. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I've had a few friends who uh, I said I'd keep one for you. It's probably going to be a nightgown, but that is okay. You know, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a Power Quart Hour podcast t-shirt. Maybe it is a power cord hour nightgown, you know, like it, it could be anything. Maybe you cut that shit up and put it on the back of your jean vest and go jump in that fucking mosh pit. You know what I mean? Like like you do you with that with that shirt. But uh, yeah, rate and review and I'll give you a T-shirt. I think that's a pretty good trade off. I'm sure I'll throw some uh, power cord hour stickers in there as well, which also if you want some power cord hour stickers, just email me powercordhour@gmail.com. hour at gmail.com And uh, I'll send you some out for free. You don't have to rate and review the podcast for those stickers. But uh, it would still be very, very cool of you. What else? New radio shows every Friday night. That is what we started as. You know, we've been doing the podcast since 2020. But we have been a radio show since 2016. And we're going strong on there every Friday night, 8 to midnight on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And you can stream that station all over. You can stream us worldwide at WRFALP.com slash streaming you go there listen to the station in real time it will be just like you're right here in jamestown with your old pal anthony listening to me on the radio as uh, as well as all the other great programs that we got on there so you can check that out and uh, what else we got the podcast we got social media we got the t-shirts i believe that is uh everything Tune back in next week. I am talking to Tony Scalzo of the band Fastball. This was another really fun one. And uh, actually, I did not know this until interviewing Tony, but Tony was a part of that uh, Los Angeles punk rock scene in the very beginning. He was there in like 77, and uh, we talked a little bit about him going and seeing X and all that. He, uh, He saw them a bunch way back in the day. And uh, very cool. So we'll we'll keep look at we'll keep the John Doe talk uh, going next week. We'll be talking to Tony about new music, and uh, they they put out a EP just a few months ago. And now they got a new record coming out in just a couple weeks. So very uh, fitting to to uh, have Tony on. So yeah, tune back in for that Tony Scalzo of Fastball next Monday on a new one. But until then, for the Power Chord Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.